Nehemiah chapter 2. Before we read the Holy Scripture here this evening, I want us to be reminded of what Nehemiah prayed for last week. And I think it's very important that we remind ourselves of what he prayed for. If you look at verse 11 of chapter 1, it says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success or prosper. Your servant today. Nehemiah cries out to the Lord for the Lord to prosper his prayer. He prays that he would prosper before the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah cries out to his master in heaven who is Lord over all the kings of the earth, made very clear in his prayer. And gloriously, dear friends, we see an answer to this prayer in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And as we read this, I want us to think about this. This takes place four months, four months after the first prayer in chapter 1. Months Where Nehemiah has been praying, suffering, fasting and mourning. With a deep sense of the tragedy that is taking place in Judah. So Nehemiah chapter 2, let us read God's holy and infallible word. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was before him, I took up the wine... And gave it to the king. Now I have been sad in his presence. And the king said to me. Why is your face sad. Seeing you are not sick. This is nothing but sadness. Of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said. To the king. Let the king live forever. Why. Should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked 
for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it pleased them greatly, it displeased them greatly, that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our text for this evening will be that section of God's holy word. Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. And as last week we were considering the prayer of Nehemiah in a time of crisis. We will be this evening considering how prayer prospers. How prayer prospers. Today, I think it would be fair to say we're not a patient generation. I think that might be a fair thing to say. If, an, if the Amazon parcel is a day late, what's generally the, the reaction? It generally might annoy people. Life is very fast-paced today. So much so we often forget how much it's changed in the last 10 or indeed 20 years. Because of screens and the internet, many have a shorter attention spans than before. If we have answers to questions, we can instantly Google them. Although perhaps the answer is not always going to be accurate. For many young people... I say this, I don't think I'm that old yet. Um, You do not know what it is like to be without. It's a hard thing to grow up in a world where everything is at your foot, at your fingertips. To not know what it's like to wait for things. To make the most of the small things in life. To appreciate the small things in life. It's not always a good thing. I honestly do feel that this is a great disadvantage for the next generation. Especially when it comes to the hard realities of life when you leave the home. When life gets harder. It can make us give up too early. And it can make us think we are wasting our time can give us a living for now mentality. But we can't think like that, dear friends. We must live for eternity. We must look at the world through the eyes of eternity. Especially when it comes to prayer. The subject we're going to be looking at this evening. So that we keep going. When things get hard, we keep going. No matter how we feel. So that we wait on God for an answer to prayer. Nehemiah had a prayer he wanted answered. He wanted the ear of God 
He wanted the attention of God. Nehemiah desired for God to prosper him before the king. Before the king, the most powerful ruler on the earth at that time, King Arxaxerxes. And dear friends, wonderfully, God prospered his prayer. God wonderfully showed us how he used means to prosper prayer. So this evening, let us look with hope to how God prospers prayer. The first heading we're going to look at this evening is he prospers prayer how through patience through patience God prospered Nehemiah's prayer but not immediately not immediately verse 1 of our text and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when wine was before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now he'd never been sad in his presence before. In chapter 1 we have the month Chislev. And this is around November or December time. In the winter. And then the month here Nisan. In chapter 2 verse 1 is about March or April. There's about four months have passed before we have this answer to prayer. God could of course answer it immediately. There's nothing that stops God from answering immediately. But we must also think that there's a good Holy and righteous reason why this happens when it happens. He is sad. This is Nehemiah I'm speaking of here. He is sad in the presence of the king of Persia. And this is, we have to think about the man, Nehemiah. He has to, for months on end, hide his inner turmoil before the king. For this powerful ruler, for months go on end after he's heard this news of Judah is in trouble. God's people are in trouble. The the walls are in ruins. Remind ourselves of verse 4 of chapter 1. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And he hides this for months Now, when we come before our rulers, we don't have fear that we're going to be killed. At least, I hope we don't. But, in the ancient world, this was very common. In the time of Nehemiah, it was not a safe thing to just make any requests to the king. Or even to show any degree of displeasure. Back then, dear friends, you could have been killed for the ruler being in a bad mood. Months have gone by for Nehemiah with inner turmoil and he's praying continually. 
verse one, uh, verse four of chapter one says it's for days. Uh, in verse six of of chapter one, it's day and night. And the time that he fasted, which would bring greater focus and earnestness to his prayer, it tells us in James five sixteen the effective. Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And you think of months of prayer, months of fasting at various points, months of suffering. What would have been easier for him to do? To, to, to think about this thing that obviously caused him such great pain. It would have been easier to give up. To just, I, I don't want to think about this anymore. This, this, this upsets me too much. Let's think about something else. To stop praying. To put it out of his mind. And dear friends, while it may seem like a small detail, that it was four months later, what is God teaching us in this? To depend on him more, even if the answer does not come immediately. To expect That there will be answer to prayer in time. Especially if it's according to the prayer we saw in chapter 1. According to the will of God. According to the promises of God. Prayer that exalts God. Prayer that is patient. Prayer that endures. Prayer that indeed suffers. Jesus himself suffered in his prayers. It says in Luke 22 verse 44. And being in agony. He prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood. Falling down to the ground. Jesus himself. Our great king of kings. And lord of lords. He came. To suffer and die. Are we. Are we too good. To not suffer with him. Through that suffering, Christ was to be glorified. How many years knowing this, growing up under his parents, knowing that he'd come to suffer and die, but how many years was Jesus away from the glories of heaven? Listen to what Jesus prayed to his father in John 17 verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. Christ himself sought to have his prayer prosper. And they did. In the appointed time. According to the will of God. In a way that glorified God Jesus today enjoys the full glory that he had with his father before the world was. That glory he had from all eternity. Dear friends, what are you praying for today? Does the world, the flesh and the devil tell you, you have prayed for for days, for, for months, for years even. You're wasting your time. Why keep going? My dear friends, while it is not easy, keep going, persevere, one foot in front of another. 
while you still have life and you keep praying. Keep praying for the advance. Keep praying for, for souls to be added to the church here in Lisbon. As Martin Luther said, as is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So let us be about our business, dear friends, waiting patiently for the answer. For dear friends, we see here in this text, God prospered Nehemiah in his prayer. How? Through patience. Through patience and also, number two, through personalities. Through personalities. It may seem obvious, but we're not all the same, are we? We've all different, we're all built differently. We don't all have the same role in society. But God prospers prayers through people. Through people in various different roles with various different temperaments. It says, remind ourselves of verse 1 and verse 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. When wine was before him, then I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, there is nothing but sorrow of heart. Nehemiah keeps a lid on his emotions for so long. But in this particular day, cannot contain it any longer. I do not know if you've had such an experience in public. Where you've had to withdraw yourself and weep. You are so sad, it just, the pain, the inner pain cannot be contained and then it just comes out. Clear for all to see, you are upset. When there's no hiding of our emotions. And this is where we find Nehemiah. Taking himself, if he had the opportunity, aside to weep, but he cannot. The king sees he is upset. Some of us are better at hiding our emotions than others. Some of us are the expression where our hearts and our sleeves. So goes the saying. But with Nehemiah's temperament and the way he was and the servant he was. The, the dam finally breaks. The water comes. There's no going back. The king knows that something is wrong. And, and I want us to think about this, dear friends. This is not some incidental. This is not just something that happens. Let us look here for a second. This is not amazing. God used this means to bring about an answer to prayer. He used this. Nehemiah's personality. Nehemiah's situation. Nehemiah's grief. To bring about an answer to prayer. Nehemiah was fearful. He was afraid. This is not something he wanted to get out. He's like he says in the next verse here. At the end of verse 2. So I became dreadfully afraid. This is not something he wanted to get out. 
This is not something he had pre-planned. But used all the same in God's providence. God used not only Nehemiah's emotional life to answer this prayer. But his role or influence before the king. Clearly from this response. King Artaxerxes. He thought highly of Nehemiah. As he sent him. Later. And he wanted him to return. It says in verse 3. And said to the king. May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad. And the city and the place of my father's tombs. Lies waste. And its gates are burned with fire. (laughs) Then the king said to me. What do you request? It's very clear from this response of Artaxerxes. And later sending him. and, And not only that. He wants him back. When are you coming back? He thought highly of him. This answered the prayer of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to the prayer of your servants. Who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This man being king. Artaxerxes. God directed the king to think favorably. Again, this is not pre-planned. This is not Nehemiah trying to manipulate the king. This is God using this in his providence. Using the personality and the role of Nehemiah to bring about answered prayer. It says in Proverbs 21 verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of waters. He turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Even of our rulers. God is in control. And as we think about this here this evening dear friend. What is your influence in society? What is your role? What what influence do you have? And it's. More, I would suspect, than you even think or realize. What is your personality? What are you gifted with? What are you able to do by God's grace? And this is spoken to as much to the seven-year-old as it is to the 77-year-old. Every single one of us have a sphere of influence. People we come across on a daily basis. And we leave an impression upon them without probably realizing it at times. There are people you have more access to than other people do. Nehemiah had the ear of the king. Great influence. But dear friends, we have the ear of many different people who other people in the kingdom will not have an opportunity to share that gospel truth with in the same way. And dear friends, whether we are young or old, sick or healthy, we have the ear of the king of kings. Nehemiah had the ear of The greatest king upon the earth at that time. We have the ear as Christians of the king of kings and the lord of lords from eternity to eternity. 
And God used the personality and the persistence of the prayers in Nehemiah to answer such a monumental prayer. It wasn't Nehemiah prays and then went on holiday. Can he not use you to reach your neighbor? Perhaps if you're older and you can't get out to visit other people, how about people who visit you? Do any of them not know the gospel? There are areas and there are things that God has a work for you to do. Regardless of what age you are, regardless of what your position and the role is, God has placed you there for a reason. Dear friend, I think you're far more influential than you realize. Number three now. So we've looked at patience, personalities. Number three now, we're going to look at through practice. Through practice. Before I say this, we have to acknowledge that God does not need any of us. Without us, the world keeps spinning. But at the same time, he chooses and he delights to use people for his glory. And we should work expectantly toward the end, the answer prayer. We should work toward that end. From verse 4 to verse 5. Then the king said to me, what do you request? Artaxerxes asked him. So I prayed to the, the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king. And if your servant has found favor in your sight. I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. God uses the obedience of Nehemiah. Again, he didn't depend anyway on Nehemiah. He doesn't depend on any of us. But God uses the means of the obedience of Nehemiah to prosper the prayer of Nehemiah. Do you see what I'm saying here? Nehemiah doesn't just avoid all obedience and everything will happen. Nehemiah could have pretended here that he was upset about something else. But he told the king exactly what the issue is. He was truthful. Of the source of his grief because of his people. And he spoke the truth. And after asked by the king, what do you request? He prays more. Uh, don't you just love that about Nehemiah? He goes and prays more. Even with this window of opportunity, Nehemiah still goes on praying. And this practice of obeying God with expectancy of answered prayers... It, it, it still all is to be seasoned with constant prayer. Constant. Nehemiah doesn't think, well, I don't need to pray anymore. Here we are. But yet at the same time, we are never to be idle when we have opportunities to serve. Opportunities to labor. Let me share with you a story that may help illustrate what I'm saying here. Imagine, if you will, a farmer prays. He prays. He believes God is sovereign and all powerful. He prays for crops to grow. 
But there's a problem. He hasn't planted any. And he is surprised when nothing grows. He prays for healthy animals, but he neglects them. Such a story, if it were true, would not be trusting God, but testing him. God uses our obedience. Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 7. It is written again, you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. Pray, dear friends, but pray toward, uh, work toward the result if it is to advance the kingdom of God. Do we pray for conversions of lost sinners, but do we never share the gospel? Or invite people to church, or share gospel tracts, or perhaps even share our testimonies of God's saving grace. There's many different things that can be done. But we need to not only pray about the success of the harvest, but seed needs to go forth. And yes, the Lord does not depend upon any of us. But this is the means he uses. A means to answer prayer. And we see this with Nehemiah. Nehemiah shares his petition with the king. And God used this as a means to bless his prayer. A means to send Nehemiah to Jerusalem. All that to say, dear friends, we need to act. We need to act in the direction of our prayers. That God would bless and prosper them as he did with Nehemiah. This request may have put Nehemiah in such danger. It would have. It could have. We think of the history of the period. Perhaps Artaxerxes might get nervous. You're rebuilding, you're rebuilding that dangerous, rebellious city that has been such trouble to the Babylonians. Such trouble in times past. In Ezra 4 verse 12, there was a letter sent to Artaxerxes by the enemies of the work. And they wrote this. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us. At Jerusalem, they are building the rebellious and evil city and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. So, dear friends, there's a potential danger here for Nehemiah. Jerusalem, to rebuild its walls, could look, oh, look, they're being independent. They're throwing off the Persian rule. He could have said something else. He could have changed the subject or something else. But Nehemiah was obedient in sharing what God had put on his heart. He goes on to ask for materials in the face of this. He asks for materials to help in the rebuilding effort. Knowing the accusations that are going on around about the rebuilding Effort. It says in verses 7 and 8. Furthermore I ask the king. If it pleases the king. Let letters be given to me. For the governors of the region beyond the river. They must permit me to pass through. Till I come to Judah. 
And in verse 8, And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel or the, or the fortress which pertains to the temple for the city wall. So he looks for all these things necessary to the work. And it says at the end of verse 8, And the king granted them to me according to the good hand. According to the good hand of my God upon me. If we think only about what could have happened and the fear that could have gripped his heart, he would not have asked for these things. Does it sound safe to ask this of Almighty King? Well, with the eyes of faith and a trust in God, yes. God uses means, dear friends. He uses means. And he also uses faithful believers to prosper prayer. Finally, we're going to look at number four, through powers. Through powers. So we've looked at through patience, through personalities, through practice, and finally through powers. It's how God prospers prayer. As we look at this final heading, sometimes when we pray in a way, we don't see God's power fully. Sometimes we either limit God in our prayers or in our actions that may follow our prayers. But God has power over the kings and rulers of the earth. Every single last one of them. All of them. In verses 7 and 8, Nehemiah asks for letters from Artaxerxes. And at that time he was known as... The title they would take was the king of kings. He ruled over all these kings. And if he said to do something, they had to do it. God has power over this king. God has power over lesser kings as well. And Nehemiah gloriously shows... And says why these requests were granted by the hand. They were granted by the hand of God. Otherwise. There would be no hope. God is the true and ultimate master over all the lords and masters of this earth. We can sometimes forget. Sometimes we look at the current political situation. Or things happening in the world. And it looks so chaotic. It looks so out of control or even random. Uh, but these things, though we do not understand them all, there is a divine purpose from a God who is in complete control of everything. He's in complete control, dear friends, of every last grain of dust that is falling to the ground even in this very meeting. When we pray and petition God, we seek God to bring the hearts of our rulers to repentance, don't we? And we pray believing that he can do so. And that there's nothing that restrains him from doing so in his power. Do we see that he has this power, dear friends? Over all the kings that he uses his power. He works, he even uses these rulers 
to prosper prayer. He uses those rulers. Yes, he can even use the leaders of godless political parties, if he wills. Those parties you're saying in your head, oh no, no, not that guy. No, no. All of them. Even the worst. God is in control. To bring about prosperity of prayer, our leaders, by the way, at the same time, need to be challenged. They need to be challenged with the responsibility before God. They need to be challenged, dear friends, with their responsibility, with our, with our covenant obligations and these two islands. They need to be challenged for the wrath that it brings upon our nation. Our leaders need to be challenged with the source of true power so that when somebody does knock on the door of and they're representing whatever party, no matter how liberal, no matter how godless, you tell them, you must serve God. That is their responsibility. They are ministers of God, Romans 13 tells us. The source of true power, so that they will submit to the will of God. We serve a God who is powerful enough to change the hearts of all. Is anything, is any unbelief too strong to stop God? Not at all. Nothing can withstand God's will. For the scripture says of Pharaoh, for this very purpose, this is in Romans 9 verses 17 to 19. For this very purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he, will, he wills. And whom he wills, he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? When we think of prayer and God's power over rulers of this world. The way we pray and often what we pray for says what we think about our God, doesn't it? Do we limit what God can do? That we limit how many he can save. There's nothing that restrains him by saving by fewer by many. If he so wills, he can fill, not only fill this building, he can fill every building in this area with believers, with worshippers, with people with new hearts, new nature. And he can certainly do it with, with our political leaders. Do we pray to a powerful God? God has power over Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes has power over these lesser rulers. And Nehemiah, in the working of this, sees the hand of God. He sees the hand of God at work. And dear friends, pray, trust him, and see the hand of God at work in your lives. It says in the last two verses we're going to look at here this evening, 9 and 10, then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river. This is beyond the river Euphrates. And gave them the king's letters. Now there was opposition. There was challenge. There were powers. There were leaders who weren't happy with what was going on. Sanballat and Tobiah. They heard of it and they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being or the good. Literally the good of the children of Israel. 
could they stop? Let, let alone, they couldn't stop Artaxerxes. Could they stop God? Not at all. Not at all. God prospers prayer through power. How do we pray? How do we pray, dear friends, as we finish here this evening? Do we pray with expectation? The, prayer, the answers don't come immediately. We must work, we must labor, and we must be patient. Seasoning our petitions to earthly rulers with prayer. Because God prospers the prayer of his people. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he uses means. So we do not sit back. We, we labor. We work towards that. We, we, we labor expectantly that God gives good gifts to his children. But dear friends, I'm going to leave you with this one thought. There is a prayer that God answers without question. And that is this. That if you cry out to him for him to save you. Trusting him, he will save you. That prayer has never come back with the answer no. Ever. I pray that you all know him. I pray that you all seek him. For it says in Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass. That whosoever call on the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. Amen.